Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we have some waiver wire goodness to talk about. I hope everyone survived by again, whatever the hell you want to call it, as well as you can. We are on to week eight, where only the Raiders and Ravens are on a bye. You know, maybe you're like me in my home league. My two quarterbacks are Lamar Jackson and Derek Carr. So things can still suck this week, but not nearly as bad as the six teams on bye that we had in week seven. So as always here on this lovely Monday afternoon as we record. I am joined by none other than PFF senior analyst Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, you're in Nashville, man. Welcome back to, uh, you know, the grind. Yeah, man. It was awesome. Got to go see Jason Isbell and Allison Russell. If people haven't heard of Allison Russell, like, man, she has an amazing story. And, uh, like, it's an experience to see her live. Like, everything is so tied together. It's like you're you're enveloped into it. It's not like you're there watching a concert. It's like you're there, part of, you're living this experience. It's She's got this really, her backstory, like, I don't want to call it cool because she's went through a lot in her life, but it's amazing. So, yeah, check out Allison Russell if you've never heard of her. Was that, was that your first concert since all this COVID bullshit started? No, no, we've had a couple over the last you know, six months that we've gone to, but this was by far, this is a top three concert of all time that I've ever been to. So it was at the Ryman auditorium, which is where they used to hold the Grand Ole Opry back in the day before um, it moved to where it's at now. Um, So we like to see, um, you know, cool artists and cool places, you know, that have history to them. Like that's kind of our thing. So that was, that was a huge one on the list. And we went with um, another couple that it was their 20th, wedding anniversary so it was, it was an awesome weekend they love good music so it was cool to get to see them enjoy that too on their anniversary the last concert i bought tickets to was for a muse show in chicago it might have been tame and paula it was going to be a freaking great concert unfortunately it got canceled with all the covid stuff going on so i will need to try to catch up to you with uh, some of those good times but today we got to talk some waiver wire goodness not i don't think this will be that long of an episode people i do say that sometimes and we tend to get on conversing <laughs> but there weren't too many major injuries uh this week to at least go over so with that said let's get to it at the QB position, I think the top five waiver wire picks this week, and again, this is based on what we're providing at PFF.com and our waiver wire advice columns, what I've seen from around the industry, and generally, guys that are available in around 50 at the most 60% of Yahoo leagues. So not necessarily every player I'm going to list here is someone that I'm saying you need to go get. It's just more so people I want to discuss because I'm sure you're going to hear about a lot of these guys on Twitter, on podcasts, everything else throughout the week. So we got Daniel Jones at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs, Carson Wentz at home against the Titans, Tua at the Bills, Jameis Winston in her revenge game at home against the Buccaneers, and Taylor Heineke at the Broncos. Dwayne, the way I would order these guys at the moment is Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke, and then in last, Tua. My general reasoning is that we got Carson Wentz really playing some great ball over the last four weeks, going up against the Titans defense that even after really shocking everyone, shutting down Patrick Mahomes and company, still the eighth worst unit and fantasy points per game allowed the QBs. I was surprised with how mobile Wentz looked on Sunday night. It seems like he is fully back from not one but two sprained ankles. And I think that's just based on matchup, based on the rushing floor, and based on what we've seen from just him being a good quarterback recently. Wentz checks all the boxes. After that, though, Jameis against the Buccaneers defense that forces everyone to pass. That's really been the only issue we have had with Jameis this year is that pass volume. We're recording this before Monday Night Football, so prepared to be sounding like an idiot on Tuesday. I will see how that goes, but cautiously optimistic that Jameis, who 
this year. He's been the QB3, the QB5, and then he's also been the QB26, 25, and 26 again. So I think he should have the volume to at least have a chance to put up some numbers against that banged up secondary. Daniel Jones, look, only Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts have more rushing yards than him this season, and nobody's allowed more rushing yards to QBs than the Chiefs. A little bit of a skewed stat, I think more based on the quarterbacks they faced than any true schematic factor. I'd feel a lot better if we get some words that maybe multiple of Kenny Galladay with the knee, Sterling Shepard with the hamstring, Kadarius Tony with the ankle, managed to return. And then we have Taylor Heineke, who more or less, like he's Daniel Jones at this point, where he is the fourth in the NFL in rushing yards behind only Jones, Lamar, and Hurts. But he's also in an offense that is banged up, and he's in a far worse matchup in Denver against Vic Fangio's top three scoring defense and uh, also top three in fantasy points per game allowed the QBs. And finally, Tua, who I do want to, you know, just... I don't think I was too hard on him last night, but in the solo uh, game recap pod, this was the one game Falcons-Dolphins that I didn't get a chance to watch. So after going back through it, I will say the two ugly interceptions actually were had a lot more to do with those wide receivers. So I'm actually now taking the side of, I think Tua is almost getting thrown under the bus a little too much this season. PFF's 32nd ranked pass blocking offensive line is the Miami Dolphins. They are tied for the third most drops in the NFL. Tua is yet to play a snap with Will Fuller and Devontae Parker remains banged up. So I'm not just going to write off Tua's entire career just yet. It has been more good than bad over the past two weeks. With that said, a road trip to Buffalo where all those problems still persist, I don't think it's going to bring out the best of him in fantasy land. So again, once Jameis, Jones, Heineke, and Tua, that's my order. Dwayne, thoughts, comments, questions, where the hell am I wrong here? <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I would reorder them like, you know, it, there's two orders here, right? There's one that's just for the rep for this week, which is the main thing, right? It's streaming. But if someone was really considering, I need I need one of these guys for the rest of my season, mm-hmm. you know, I would move Tua up at that point. Like that's at fair. that point, I would put Tua first because I do think he's going to get the rest of his weapons back. Yeah, his offensive line is not going to fix itself, but he gets the ball out pretty quick. You know, over the last three weeks, he's at a 2.46, 2.56 uh, over the last two weeks, t- average time to throw. He's at a 2.50 on the season. Um, he's pushing the ball down the field, you know, and getting it out quickly. They're running a lot of play action, 41%, you know, on the season, 42% each of the last two weeks. So there's things to like, you know, about the Dolphins offense and the fact that he is a young player, you know, he's still growing. It's funny to me, like how quickly we do throw Tua under the bus when normally we give these quarterbacks so long, but everyone's in such a rush with Tua. And I don't know like what's causing that. I don't know where the public sentiment, you know, I don't know why it's so tough towards Tua versus other quarterbacks were willing to give them more time. I'm not sure. But if it was just for this week, um, I think your order's pretty close. I would still put Daniel Jones first just because of the rushing. I mean, 16% of his team's designed rushing attempts on the season. He had 26% of them last week. Um, scramble rate is above average at 6% on the season. Um, so I think those are good things for Daniel Jones. And he's got a good matchup against Kansas City. That could potentially, that's funny to say that that could shoot out, right? <laughs> but good. It's like can, where Kansas City is now. And then what the Giants were able to do this last weekend, it's like, okay, Okay, that could be a little bit more of an interesting matchup than what we thought. So I would put Daniel Jones first, but then I would agree with the list for the rest of the way. I would definitely make it Wentz because, to your point, he's he's looking he's looking good. I mean, and over the last three weeks, like if you look at his adjusted completion percentage versus his average depth of target, like both are really strong. A lot of times you'll see these guys have these huge adjusted completion percentage weeks, but when you look at it, like, oh, well, their eight out was like a four for the week. 
like Wentz, you know, two weeks ago, a 13.2 ADOT with an 84, with a 78% adjusted completion percentage. That's really good. So um, he's getting the ball out quicker than he had been. He had been holding on to it a little bit too long. So yeah, I do like Wentz. I don't love his weapons or anything, Ian, but it is an offense that like, I think at a minimum, we have to say, yes, it's starting to gel and they're starting to find their identity. Um, I don't think Wentz is someone that I want to count on as a QB1 week after week, but as a streamer in this specific matchup, yeah, I like it. Definitely more so based on week eight and week eight only. I agree with you that Tua, moving forward, hopefully the O-line can improve because they can't get any worse. And bringing back Fuller and Parker at some point will certainly help everyone involved. After this Bills matchup this week, which again is just brutal worst case, they get the Texans, the Ravens, the Jets, the Panthers, the Giants, the Jets, Saints, and Titans all the way up until week 17. So not saying every single one of those is a smash, but you certainly heard, you know, whenever you got two games against the Jets with the Titans and Texans, thrown in there hard to be uh, too angry about that and yeah with Daniel Jones I'm fine putting him first let's just make sure we can get one or two of Kenny G Shep and Tony back in the action so definitely think there's a drop off after Daniel Jones on the Heineke so really try people this week Carson Wentz Jameis Winston Daniel Jones those should be your top three quarterbacks for this week and yeah Tua might be able to give you a little bit of you know sneaky goodness for the rest of the season now let's move on to running back. Dwayne, the big situation to talk about is in Philly. Miles Sanders suffered a sprained ankle, is expected to miss at a minimum at least a few weeks. Good news is that he's not out for the season. You know, when you get carted off, we always tend to assume the worst, but he seems to have escaped truly major injury. In his absence, though, much more of a split, at least in terms of total opportunities on the ground, especially between Kenneth Gamewell and Boston Scott. What do you think this is going to look like here moving forward? Is Gamewell more or less going to replace Sanders as the pretty clear-cut lead back? Or do you think this could be a little bit of a trap situation where we end up seeing these guys each involved enough to really render each as borderline meh fantasy options? I think it really could be the latter, but I'm willing to give Gamewell the benefit of the doubt, right? As a younger player that we liked a lot of things about him coming in. This is his opportunity to seize more of the backfield. So I would kind of say, you know, it's up to him. But if you look at the way that they handled the two backs this last week, 50, you know, you only had Miles Sanders out there for 17% of the snaps. So after that, it was 51% to Gainwell, 33% to uh, Boston Scott. But then rushing attempts, only 18% to Gainwell, 25% to Boston Scott. So Gainwell wasn't that involved. So, I mean, if you look at his rushing attempt percentages, in the weeks leading up to that, I mean, he had had several weeks where he was at, you know, 10, 15 percent and those ranges. And so he was only at 18 percent, which wasn't, you know, it's not like he saw a huge increase in the rushing attempts department. But what he did see was an increase in routes. He was up to 56 percent. So over half the times Hertz was dropping back to pass, he was in a route and he was targeted on 25 percent of the passes and had a 30 percent targets per route run rate, which is really, really good. He was also out there for 80 percent of the short down and distance, 82 percent of the long down and distance and over half of the two minute offense. So he did lead the way really in all the categories um so and and this is one i've still got to dig into just a little bit more um for the utilization report which i'm working on right now um is just to see you know what was the exact game script script at the moment right that that happened um once we lost sanders early in the game and then did that have an impact on the way these two broke out but really it looked like it was Gainwell's probably in line for 50 to 60 percent of the work is what I would say, Ian, you know, and then Boston Scott's going to work in. But I do think there is a chance that they throw us kind of a knuckleball, <laughs> you know, we don't know for sure because um, it's just odd to me, like 
Scott was out there so little but had 25% of the attempts and Gainwell had 18%. So if they were trailing this whole time that Gainwell was out there, what that could say is that in a closer script, which the Eagles haven't been able to manage, so maybe it doesn't matter. Like they trail pretty much like every, they trail by four or more, like almost every play. It's pretty amazing. Um, they're, they've trailed by four or more the fourth most in the NFL. Um, so as a percentage of their plays. And so Boston Scott, it'll be interesting. Like, is he going to get used a little bit more on like first and second down and a game that's more manageable? And it's really Gainwell still more as, yeah, you're going to get out there more as a receiving option, but we're not going to give you a lot of, you know, attempts on the ground. I don't know. That's, that's the one potential pitfall I see. This would be the week where they might be able to get a lead in Detroit. You know, God bless Dan yeah. Campbell. Always has his Lions playing hard, but an 0-7 record is an 0-7 record. Lions have been the fifth worst defense in fantasy points per game. Allowed to opposing RBs have allowed a league high. They're tied for first with a league high six receiving touchdowns against running backs. I agree. It's game well. I don't like why even put Boston Scott like in your waiver wire article. We are never going to start him. It seems like Sanders has escaped serious injury. Like unless you are just desperate. And again, you shouldn't really be desperate with only two teams on by this week. I guess if you just need eight to 10 touches somewhere, you can go get Boston Scott. But it's definitely Kenny Gamewell. And we've talked about this earlier in the year, Dwayne, where Gamewell was someone that we prioritized in kind of the more barren weeks because of the potential for him to maybe even carve out a large larger role if when Miles Sanders does return to action. So I know at this point, you know, people have probably already kind of drowned out a lot of their fab or maybe even waiting for the moment. I don't think this is the spot to just blow everything and expect this consistent RB1 goodness. But assuming Miles Sanders is out this week, which seems very likely, Gamewell, he's going to be a hard guy to keep out of the top 24, even if it will be kind of in the lower ends. It's not that different from the way we've been treating Miles Sanders over the past few weeks. Yeah, it's just the like you're playing the Lions. <laughs> the matchup's just really going to pop, so it will be hard. I don't see any way he doesn't make the top twenty-four right. if Miles Sanders is going to be out. Like he'll probably struggle to stay out of the top eighteen. You know, um, I just think the trapdoor floor kind of thing is all of a sudden Boston Scott gets more involved because they're ahead. So that's just the one thing I would put out there. But it doesn't scare me off of Gainwell. I think Gainwell's a you know five to 20 percenter depending on your needs in your league and then what additional information we get around miles sanders over the next couple of days will obviously you know kind of help you know us decide where they fit in this in that range i know some of you have to do waivers like right out of the gate like tomorrow there's like all these sorts of weird league settings i used to be in one that was done right after monday night football i hated it um so if you've got that situation, you got to go on what you have, and it's based on you know your roster. And and the cool thing about Gainwell is you know in medium and larger you know bench settings, he's a player you can still feel good about holding, right? Even once Miles Sanders you know comes back, because he's a player that he's a young player. They've invested in him. He has a pass catching role. There's all these different ways for him to stay involved in the game plan. Um, and this is just really more of a, if Sanders were to miss multiple weeks, right, this just gives you the upside. Um, and so that could always happen again. I mean, we're halfway through the season. Just realize, people, this is not a fantasy-friendly offense for running backs. Gamewell, surprisingly, actually already has more RB2 finishes this year than Miles Sanders. Sanders got there in week one, couldn't finish inside the top 30 the rest of the way. So it is Detroit. This should be the best game script that a running back from Philly is going to see all year. But yeah, this is not even a Daryl Williams, Chuba, Devontae Booker type situation, at least in terms of the fantasy-friendly nature of their touches. Now, Dwayne... 
you know, I don't think we spend too much time patting ourselves on the back here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, but boy, howdy. What we say last week? Number one running back to go get Michael Carter. He rewarded everyone with 72% snaps, 11 carries, nine targets, RB6 finish before Monday Night Football. So Ty Johnson got some pack pass down work as well but hey it's the michael carter era man and by era i mean i think we actually have like a borderline rb2 potentially here moving forward it does look like zach wilson is gonna miss some time so mike white under center i don't know that he can be that much worse than zach wilson i will say mike white already has the league's highest turnover worthy play rate so maybe i'm wrong uh, in that guess but at a minimum we did see mike white in a game where the jets lost 56 to 13 feed both carter and johnson early and often in the past game. Dwayne, if you happen to be in a league where Michael Carter is still available, are you down to use like 50% of Fab to go scoop this guy? Because it does look like this is now his full-time role moving forward. Yeah, because you're not you're not going to find another back out there, Ian, that actually just has a path to own the role. Most of the, everyone else is waiting on an injury. So you actually have a young player that they have shown they want to get more involved. He's getting more and more involved each week. You had 59% of the rushing attempts in week five. He had 58% this past week, right? So, I mean, yeah, we don't like to see the injury to the quarterback, but it's not like Zach Wilson was exactly balling out. I don't even know how much this is really going to impact, you know, Michael Carter, you know, for the next couple of games. Um, So, yeah, no, what I like about it, um, getting over half of the short down and distance, he wasn't getting that before. So his role seems to be expanding. He had 0% of the long down and distance snaps um, in the two previous games before that, 36% this week. Uh, 100% of the two-minute offense still went to Ty Johnson. But it's just it, that's how you start to see those snaps creep up from 52% to 71% and why these different utilization categories matter, like based on situational football. And so he's starting to get engaged in these other areas where before they had basically just blocked him out and said – you're going to be our first and second down back when we want to run the ball. That's pretty much what he was. And so now that role, you're starting to see it expand. You already mentioned the targets. Targets per route run, 31% is insane. He was out there for 60% of the routes. You know, you start getting the 60 and 70% ranges. Like, that's really good for a running back. So lots of positives right now for Michael Carter. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think they'll always keep someone involved to kind of keep, you know, he's not the hugest, you know, player. Uh, I think they envision him as being someone that, you know, is in a platoon. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up around 65, 70% of the rushing attempts, you know, here and there, um, and a few of these different weeks, if he gets going, but still 60% of rushing attempts, 60% of routes, you're not going to find that anywhere else, especially to have it with a young player. It is worth mentioning that Ty Johnson was briefly in the least concussion protocol last game. He returned, so it wasn't like he missed an entire half or anything like that. And also, we had Tevin Coleman, who Robert um, uh, Saleh has clarified did not suit up because he was dealing with a hamstring injury. But again... Even before this stuff happened, we saw Carter snaps and usage trending in the right direction before the buy. So even if it's not, you know, a 70% plus snap rate every single week, I still think we're looking at someone over 60 that should be seeing 15 touches more weeks than not. So definitely go get Michael Carter if still able to. I think the rest of the group, you know, depending on the league you're in, you're not going to have too much goodness out there. We got Brandon Bolden who turned in an RB5 finish last week. Before that, he was the RB29, RB42, and the RB64. 
It's the New England backfield. And yeah, that's awesome. They got up and just dominated the Jets. Still not super convinced that this is, you know, the most fantasy friendly offense we should be spending our time on. We also have Josh Jacobs, who left last week with a chest injury. But Tom Pelissero has come out and said that early indications are that he avoided a major injury and they have the bye to get right. So if Jacobs is out, okay, Peyton Barber is probably going to be the play over Kenyon Drake because he's the one that gets all the early down work. Uh, if Jacobs is back in, obviously neither Drake nor Barber are going to be fantasy viable players. And then finally, Devontae Freeman, even in a week without Latavius Murray, only got four carries. I understand the game script had a lot to do with that, but Le'Veon Bell and Tyson Williams are still so involved in an offense that is passing more than ever and Lamar Jackson steals plenty of groundwork because of course he should. He's their best player with the ball in their hands. One of the best players in the league with the ball in their hands. He should be getting all the carries that he wants. So, Dwayne, any interest in these Raiders, Patriots, or Ravens running backs? Not really. I mean, I think the Ravens, is it's going to be a wreck, you know, <laughs> for the whole season. Um, we see they want to throw more. Um, I can't remember if it was this pod or which one, but I was talking last week just about the Ravens are not as good as everyone thinks. They were playing, they're playing better, but they have a, their defense is not near what it used to be. <laughs> so, you know, they've got a lot of potential issues that could put them in these sort of game scripts more often than what people probably think. So yeah, it just makes it really more of an avoid situation for me. Um, as far as Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber go, like Kenyon Drake probably wouldn't have gotten really anything had Peyton Barber been active, you right. know, this last weekend. So I think Barber, if for some reason Jake was Mrs. Tyne, that's the player that I want. Kenyon Drake probably just stays in his same role, which has really been cut in half by Jalen Richard. So Kenyon Drake's not even really a player I'm that interested in having on my roster, even in these deep formats that I play in. Um, he's just a player that I'm really down on because they've they've very narrowly defined what his role is. <laughs> and so that's that's the opposite of what you want, right? You're looking for players that have multiple paths beyond just injuries, right? To be able to increase their snap share, get into different situations in the game. And it's clear that that's just not how they envision Kenya Drake. So I'm out on that. I'll throw out a couple of other names, Ian. They're not really for starts this week. And I know we, you and I can run through like our order, but I'll throw these out real quick. So these are really, if you're in deeper formats, um, you know, you're playing in 12 team league, something like that, you know, and you've got, you know, 20 team, you know, 20 players, you know, on your roster. Um, so here are some players that I think, you know, kind of become the next round of potential cuffs. So Darrington Evans was back this weekend. He was active. He actually had a couple of carries. So we all love Derrick Henry, but man, the workload is way up there. And they just consent, they continue to ride him every single week. If he were to go down, I do think McNichols would kick, would pick up a little bit more work, but I think Darrington Evans, as long as healthy, would probably see the most work in this backfield. And I think that would make him, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, Ian, but I think we'd probably look, we'd be looking at him immediately as like a low-end RB2. That's where Ian puts everybody, low-end RB2. No, that was yeah. wide receiver. It was wide receiver where it's low-end wide receiver yeah. two. He's, he's a low-end uh, wide receiver two. You know? Yeah, he's a low-end. He's a low-end wide receiver two, even though he's a running back. Yeah, <laughs> so so Evans is one, and he could quickly change our minds about that, right? He could easily be in the RB1 conversation very quickly because of a team, we have a team that is very willing to run the ball more than the league average in every scenario. Is Derrick Henry part of that? Yes, of course he is. He's part of why they're willing to do that. But at the same time, I don't think you're going to change Mike Vrabel's DNA, right? Just if Derrick Henry got hurt, I think he's the type of coach, you know, coming from a defensive background, he's going to want to continue to ground and, ground and pound. I think that makes Evans, 
you know, it puts him up there. I think he's in the top three to five cuffs to own right now that people aren't thinking about for sure. Another two that I know no one's thinking about, and I didn't really pump them last week because they both had bye weeks coming up. But Kalen Balaj looks like he's really taken over the role behind Najee Harris uh, as the main back. If something were to happen to Najee Harris, another player with a huge workload, I'm guessing 60 to 65% of that work, maybe more, would go to Kalen Balaj. Now, we've got Anthony McFarlane that will eventually come back. Benny Snell really seems to be the odd you know, player out, so we could see it be more of a McFarlane slash um, Kalen Balaj, you know, where maybe they use McFarlane a little more on Pat. He may pick up the passing downs that Najee Harris leaves behind. But Balaj is someone that no one's, no one's thinking about. You can get him for minimum fab. And then the last one is Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly really over the last couple of weeks has, you know, he got his opportunity due to injuries with Justin Jackson. And so he got on the field. It was like week four or five. And he actually looked better than really either either of the other backs after really struggling through all of preseason. So I think if something were to happen to Austin Eckler, again, it's going to be more of a split. It's not like any one of these backs is going to take it all over. I think they would all be in somewhat of a tandem. But I'm giving you the the players I think that would lead the way. And, And these are... I'm giving you situations where you truly do have a lead back that's getting most of the work, so it could still be valuable. So Joshua Kelly would be the other one. I think you can get any of these players for you know the very minimum fab amount if you've got a spot that you can stash them. So people, if Michael Carter's there, go get him, absolutely. And Kenneth Gamewell is worthy of most of the waiver hype he's getting this week. But hey, if you don't have much fab to spend, you still want to just juice up some empty roster, empty bench spots, or maybe just someone that you don't really need and you're shooting for more upside, Darrington Evans, Kalen Balaj. I think Joshua Kelly, you're right, he probably would be the league guy, but I think Justin Jackson could steal enough pass down work, Larry Roundtree there as well. That would be, I think, the most muddled situation. Evans and Balaj, I think you're correct. They would be low-end RB2s, and then they would actually have potential to leap into the RB1 territory, depending on how they're ensuing up. The usage uh, pans out. So good stuff there, Mr. McFarlane. Moving on to wide receiver. So a lot of these guys, we I think we've talked about in past weeks. We don't need to go too crazy on Rashad Bateman. Six targets per game. Just note that he is a pretty clear number three option. This has been with Sammy Watkins sideline. So last two weeks, Marquise Brown, 19 targets. Mark Andrews, 13. Rashad Bateman, 11. So, hey, we can live with that if that sticks. I am worried about Watkins coming back, though, and just being involved enough to really render both him and Bateman as non-viable fantasy guys more weeks than not. So Bateman's fine to have on the bench. Certainly would not go crazy with the fab, though. Uh, Also got Jarvis Landry, made his debut, and had eight targets last week. But hey, it's him and OBJ right now, and as long as they're both healthy and an offense that just wants to run the ball because it's either Case Keenum or a banged-up version of Baker, I just think they're going to cancel themselves out more weeks than not. So yeah, Jarvis, I think he'll probably be maybe this borderline wide receiver four, not, not a low-end wide receiver, too. We're going even lower with uh, Jarvis Landry here. But he's just someone that I'm not so sure you're getting the ceiling that we kind of want for in some of these receivers. Hey, you can do worse than someone that's looking at probably five to seven targets. But we kind of know Jarvis is. And as long as Beckham is healthy, like, that's the thing. And like, even last year, man, when Beckham wasn't healthy, we just weren't getting the boom from Jarvis that I think you would expect. And this is now an even worse version of the Browns passing game. Dead last in the NFL and catchable deep ball rate through seven weeks. 
Also have Darius Slade and Dante Pettis coming off some nice performances just in terms of overall usage. But again, with Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, and Sterling Shepard, none of them on IR. I would expect to get one or at least two, one or two of them back sooner rather than later. And then finally, Van Jefferson. It's a good matchup against the Texans. I'm not denying that. But this is not the first time we've seen him really start to soup up a lot of snaps and then it doesn't necessarily stick. I mean, season high, 94% snaps last week, but this happened in week two and it looked like Deshaun Jackson was out of the picture and then in week three they came back and Jackson had that 120 yard uh, touchdown performance so Jefferson it's a fine streamer but I think Dwayne people should be focusing the most on this Green Bay Packers situation so Devontae Adams is on the COVID list he is vaccinated, so he has a chance if he can return two negative tests 24 hours apart to get active for Thursday night, but it's an awfully quick turnaround. Certainly doesn't seem likely that he'll be out there. So that leaves us Alan Lazard, potentially MVS if he gets activated off of IR and he is eligible at this point, and Randall Cobb, not expecting Amari Rogers or Equinemius St. Brown to have two larger roles yet. So Dwayne, from my perspective, Lazard is definitely the guy to go get. I think our most actionable split or just game basically happened in week three last season against the Saints when Lazard basically took over Adam's role eight targets for 146 yards in a tutty against the Saints in that fun uh, primetime game they had with MVS healthy in that one only had four targets and we really just saw him continue to be that clear out option and not much more so I think Cobb will probably kind of be a tough guy to keep out of our top 40 top 45 receivers this week but Lazard should be the one getting the bigger jump and please I I mean, I know he hasn't given us the huge production just yet, but more than anything, I think Aaron Jones is the big winner here. I'm not sure why it takes Adams to miss time for them to really feature him in the passing game, but it is what's happened in the past. One of the fun stats I've loved to repeat here on the podcast is that going into 2021, only Naeem Hines and Austin Eckler averaged more yards per out run than Aaron Jones lined up as a true wide receiver. So I wouldn't be shocked if Aaron Jones actually leads his team in targets on Thursday night. I will absolutely be capt- captaining him and all the showdown stuff, but Dwayne, it seems like Alan Lazard's the guy we should be going after. Yeah, I mean, and Lazard and Rodgers have really just started to get on the same page over the last couple of weeks. You know, MVS is really the outside field stretcher, and then you have Devontae Adams really attacks all levels of the field, but more the intermediate, right? Possession, run after the catch guy, and then Lazard was playing the slot, and then Cobb was basically rotating every every once in a while into the, into the slot behind, you know, Alan Lazard. So, The clear pecking order, you know, to begin the season was Adams, MVS, and Lazard were kind of second, and then Cobb was third. So I think that continues on. But to your point, I think they'll both be involved. I mean, we'll talk about Robert Tanyan, you know, in a minute. But I think it really is something more where it's probably spread around more of these guys versus there's not someone that's going to take over all of these targets for, um, you know, Devontae Adams. Like, it's just, you know. You have to be good enough to demand that many targets, right, to get that many targets. But to your point, Lazard did have that really great game last week. He had a really good game, um, sorry, last year whenever Adams was out. He was number 13 wide receiver on the week in a PPR format this past week. So if you look at him, you know, over the last two weeks, his targets per route run, 21% and 17%. That's pretty good. Targets, 24%, 19%. Um, 100% of the end zone targets in week six. 67% of the end zone targets in week seven. So somewhere, Robert Tanya is steaming. 
you know, Tanya's like, those are my targets. Like I'm supposed to get all end zone targets. Like that's what Tanya was living off of last year with all, was all those touchdown catches, those easy looks down inside the five. Um, but even on third and fourth down, like Aaron Rodgers looks to, you know, Alan Lazard quite a bit, you know, on the season, you know, he is, well, he's at 20% over the last, you know, last week and the week before 15%. So he's been up around the 20% mark. Um, so yeah, I like Lazard and, you know, obviously he and Cobb, they've got, They've got chemistry, so I would expect Cobb, you know, if Adams is out, I mean, Cobb probably, now if MVS is active, I would say expect Cobb to play the slot, probably be somewhere around 70% of the routes. Um, if MVS isn't active, then you probably see Cobb up towards 85, 90%, and they'll probably, I don't know who else they'll work in, probably Equinemius St. Brown will come out to stretch the field some. Um, so we'll have to see. But yeah, I do think Lazard is the top one, but I think Randall Cobb will be viable as well. Lazard ranking range. I know we don't usually do this until Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I'm He'll thinking, be a wide receiver three for me. Okay, I was about to say high-end wide receiver three, as much as I would like to stay on brand there. <laughs> I, I think it would be hard to jam him in the top 24 guys. Um, any of those other ones? We've talked about Bateman every single week. I think people kind of get, yeah, get our we, general thoughts at this point. Else. But Landry, no, the Giants, Jefferson, any general thoughts? Yeah, with Landry um, – I don't, you know, look, it's a, it's a run heavy offense, right? We've talked about it. So what you want out of your, if you're going to, if you're going to roster a player off the team, you want the one that you think can make the big play. And that's really Odell Beckham Jr. You know, as much as everybody I know wants to hate on Odell Beckham Jr., blah, blah, blah. He played through it, hurt last week. He got hurt the week before. People, it's funny how they throw all that out the window once their mind is set. Yeah, no, he just sucks. Doesn't matter if he's hurt. He just sucks. It's on primetime, Dwayne. Everything matters 100 times more. Oh, God, actually yeah. Watching. Everybody's an expert on primetime. I think the new my new theme for Twitter is I'm surrounded by experts that are not experts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, me included. Me being one of those. So, there we um, go. No, I mean, as far as Landry goes, I think he could be a viable wide low-end wide receiver three option for you through bye weeks. Like you said, it's not really that tough this week. We've only got two teams on bye. Um, but I think I think Landry's, you probably got it right, a wide receiver four, but you can use him as a wide receiver three from time to time. Um, and if they end up shutting Beckham down for any period of time due to his shoulder, um, well, then that could change things a little bit for Landry. But to your point, it didn't matter that much last season. Um, Darius Slayton, no need to really talk about it. If, if the other weapons start to come back, that obviously hurts Slayton. If they're not in there, I do think Slayton is kind of one of those boom-bust wide receiver fours. We've seen, actually, if 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 you've got two of those weapons not playing, I would rather play Darius Slayton than Jarvis Landry, right? Because yeah. we've seen Daniel Jones loves to target Slayton. Slayton was one of my most used players this past weekend in DFS, just kind of a $4,000 free square on on DK. Just knowing that, you know, he and Daniel Jones have that chemistry, uh, I didn't realize that, you know, we would see the Panthers get blown out and there not really be a need to continue to throw the ball to Slayton, you know, down the field. Um, but I do like Slayton if you've got the other guys out because he does have the A dot. He gets the air yards. 58% of the team's air yards this last week. 26% of the targets. So, I mean, those are elite numbers um, if you're in a game that if the game script had worked out right, Slayton probably would be a, would have been a, t a wide receiver too this past weekend. Um, Van Jefferson, yeah, I saw the same thing. He's he's had these little ups and downs on the routes. Um, and I, I don't, it's a game plan specific sort of thing that I don't have a beat on. I don't know if you've got any data points that you're looking at that helps us be able to 
potentially predict like when these 90% route outbursts are going to come. Um, but I just don't know. It could very easily next week be back to 69, 65%. I have just Van Jefferson on a ton of rosters um, in deeper formats, and I will use him if I've got to throw him in there, um, you know, as a like my second flex play. Um, but mostly I like having him on my roster again because if something were to happen to one of the other receivers and how well he's been playing and all the reports about Van Jefferson with his route running and separation, his ability to be press coverage at the line, like all the positives are there. He's just kind of buried because there's all these other really good players. So that is the thing I do like about Van Jefferson is I do think he gives you added value beyond just what he gives you week to week. Because his role, like of all these players we've talked about, he's the one. If something else happened to another one of the players besides Bateman, like, wow, you could be like, oh, man, we are looking at a wide receiver, too. A low-end wide receiver, too, yeah. Ian. We could be looking at that for the rest of the way. <laughs> of course. Good, good uh, clarifier there. Bro, why did they take Tutu Atwell with the 57th overall pick? Know. He has played 10 <laughs> snaps on offense this year. Like, I wanted to check and make sure, like, he didn't get hurt and I forgot about it. No, people. He's been active every single game. He's out there to get some kick and punt return stuff, which, okay, I guess you I saw the top a tweet a couple weeks ago that was really good. It says Tutu Atwell was going out to return the punt, and a slight breeze blew him out of the stadium. <laughs> Oh, that's that's the only player I remember from him. I think it was that Seahawks game, and like he actually like tripped over his own feet yes. or something like that. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, well, I think I they thought, you know, I don't know what they thought. Like, I'm not going to pretend. But he's not a Deshaun Jackson type player. He's not really a, a great vertical field stretcher, you know, to this point in his career. He's more of a guy you get into space and you get him the ball at the line of scrimmage, you know, that kind of thing. Um, now, maybe he can, not saying he can't develop because a lot of these players, they just do what they're asked in college, you know. And then, you know, they, they can have other things they're good at. It just depends on, you know, what, what their coaches wanted them to do. Um, so I think there could be potentially more for Atwell in the future. But, yeah, it is kind of strange. Um, and, and I think the role that he's good at playing right now, they just they don't need it. There's not, there's not a reason to get it on the field. Moving on to tight end, always a bit weak, except when we tell you to pick up Dawson Knox and that just happens to work out. But it's looking like, Dwayne, uh, there are some guys I think can continue to get people uh, through the bye if they need it. If you had Darren Waller, if you have Mark Andrews, this is a position that we will have at least two teams in your league uh, likely going after. So looking at the potential options. So Logan Thomas got put on IR on October 6th, and that is going to be Three weeks ago from Wednesday, per NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, he was saying Logan Thomas will miss four weeks with the strained hamstring. So it looks like Ricky Seals-Jones will have another game as the full-time Washington football team tight end. He's ripped off tight end 14, tight end 6, most recently tight end 9 finishes. I do think he continues to be the best option. It's just hard to find these tight ends that play literally every single snap. And if you watch these Washington football games, you know, first of all, God bless you. I know it hasn't quite been. The easiest uh, watch of the season, but RSJ truly is a wide receiver that is more or less uh, just being kind of fit into a square peg as a tight end. So works out in fantasy land. We all see what Mike Jasicki and Kyle Pitts are doing with that same role, and it is uh, producing some nice production for RSJ. So I do think he's a top ad if you can get him. 
Robert Tunyon definitely deserves to have his, uh, you know, just projection spiked with Devontae Adams potentially out of the picture. To his credit, 63 yards and a touchdown and four catches last week. First time since week two, he had gained even 10, more than 10 yards in a game. So still have that low floor. But yeah, without Adams in the picture, it would make sense if Tunyon is leaned on more than ever. After that, you got CJ Zoma, Evan Ingram, Cole Komet. Starting tight ends that I think I would probably prioritize as Uzoma number one. Don't look now. Joe Burrow, 38 attempts and a 41 to 17 win. Love seeing that pass game volume up. With Evan Ingram, it's just like, how many? It's like the James, like LaVisca Chenault and Evan Ingram. Like, how many guys need to get hurt for you guys to do anything or demand like an actual high end role to get it for you? Because Ingram, like, why was last week not the game? You know, when is it ever going to be Evan Ingram week? Probably the week that everyone decides to finally stop playing him. So, hey, if Tony Galladay, Shepard continue to remain out, okay, you can do worse than the tight end. That's likely going to see six to eight targets, but we just have not seen that scoring upside at all over the past two seasons. And then finally, Cole Komet with Jimmy Graham on the COVID list, five catches for 43 yards on six targets. He'll be out there a lot, but as we've all seen, Justin Fields' Matt Nagy experience has not produced basically any goodness uh, through the air. So I would rank these guys as RSJ, Tunyon, Yuzoma, Ingram, and Komet. Dwayne, I have a feeling that you want to put Tunyon ahead of my guy, RSJ. <laughs> no, no, All I right. like RSJ. Thank God. I Thank mean, God. no, 92% of the routes, 93% of the week before. I mean, there's nothing, and he's hitting the 20% mark uh, for targets per, or sorry, he's hitting 20% for targets. He's slightly under that for targets per route run, but he's out there so often. Like it's, yeah, I mean, look, this is some of this stuff is simple math and the tight ends is like one of the, the positions in my opinion that's like the easiest to just spot like this is going to happen and it's going to continue to for ricky seals jones until we get um logan thomas back what's gonna be interesting ian is like what happens when we get logan thomas back because now there's reports that it may not just be the logan thomas show we could see more of both of these guys um so it'll be it's interesting screw them both <laughs> I know that's what's going to I hope that isn't what happens because, uh, you know, whether it's Logan Thomas or Ricky Seals Jones, we don't necessarily care. We just like knowing that we've got another tight end that's going to be out there all the time. So that'll be interesting. Evan Ingram, you know, look, he was playing with a calf injury, 32 percent targets per route run, which was tops on the team. So you give him that 23 percent of the targets this last week, 38 percent of Daniel Jones's looks on third and fourth down, 57 percent of his um, looks came on play action. Uh, for those of you that listen to the pod, you know the play action target is worth more than an actual non-play action target. Um, so, I mean, he's got some good things going on, but to your point, like it's you're going to have to have these other guys out again. Otherwise, he's just going to be fourth or fifth in the pecking order, probably going to get a blow-up week somewhere along the way, but it's just going to be tough with Ingram. I, I, I honestly look at Ingram and Uzoma similarly, but I like Uzoma, the offense Uzoma plays in better. Right? They're really both more of the fourth, fifth option. They're not going to, I mean, Uzoma, even himself, like he only had 9% of the targets, uh, you know, in this last game, he's got 9% on the season. Just so happens that, you know, one of those was for a touchdown. So, um, or was it two touchdowns two. this weekend? Got two. two touchdowns. Yeah. Two of those were for touchdowns of his three catches. So yeah, looking at Uzoma, like that's, that's going to regress. And what's, what's crazy is his routes have gone down 82%, 73%, 67%. So they're really going the wrong way. His targets per route run six, 11 and 12. That's terrible. Um, so it's like, actually give me Evan Ingram over CJ Uzoma. I just talked myself into it. <laughs> they're really not the same thing. Um, but yeah, I, I Tanyan, like he's just hanging around the same spot as he's been. And honestly, his utilization Ian, looks pretty similar to last year. 
He's just he's getting a few less targets, and he's just not getting the targets in the end zone. Well, this last week, he finishes fifth in fantasy football. Why? 33% of the end zone targets went to Robert Tanya. So when he gets the looks down inside the five, like he's fine. He's going to do well, especially off play action. They've got a really good running game that other teams have to respect. Um, so it's just really hard to predict when it happens. I do agree that if we've got Devontae Adams out, everybody, it's, everybody's going to get a slight bump up. Like I said earlier, I don't necessarily see any one of them being a target hog. I think you just see three or four guys get slightly more, you know, all of them get an extra 5%, you know, since, you know, Devontae Adams leaves like, you know, 50% of the targets on the table. So, so after RSJ, would you go Tanyan over Ingram? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would go, sorry, RSJ, Tanyan, Ingram, um, Uzoma, Komet. That would be my order at tight end. I don't like it. I love it. We will roll with that. And also, people, you know what I also love? That you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code FANTASY. We have grades and data that are live for every single player who just logged a snap last week. Go check out the highest-graded players from Week 7 and so much more. Seriously, people, PFF subscription is getting you all of PFF's locked article content. Dwayne's utilization report, my wide receiver cornerback breakdown, their running back breakdown, Dwayne's ranks, my ranks, everyone's freaking ranks, strength of schedule goodness, betting dashboards, grade power projections and cover probabilities and so much more like truly people you will get your money's worth and it's going to be easier to get your money's worth than ever because with code fantasy again 25 percent off any pff subscription so if you can feel that kindness in your heart you know if you've banned chipotle in support of our guy aj brown you have an extra you know 10 bucks lying around per month support the podcast and use promo code fantasy for 25 percent off any sub and also nfl fans hungry for a big win this week DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl has you covered new customers can bet just five dollars on any nfl team to win their game and if they do you win 200 dollars in free bets winner winner chicken dinner it's that simple um as we told you last week pretty easy to pick uh, the winner here let's go ahead and take the rams over the houston texans this week what a freaking disaster that game will likely be so download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff bet just five dollars on any nfl team aka the rams to win their game and win 200 dollars in free bets if they win you win with promo code pff this week at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit one dollar wager required one per customer restrictions apply to draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER and also, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western and Southern is teaming up with PFS very own Chris Collins worth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old plan days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. And every football financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a cater party for February's big game. So check out the Chris Collins with podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask chris one more time that's westernsouthern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember with western southern you can rest assured on game day Finally, folks, it's football season. You know what that means. It means we're going for two here at the sponsors of today's show. Manscaped, blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's time for you to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF on manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code PFF. Dwayne, it's officially week eight. We're Kind of halfway through the year, pretty close, whatever. 
and it's on to the next one. So great stuff today. Anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. Utilization report will hit tomorrow. So there's some pretty interesting stuff going on, you know, this week. Um, so I'll have all that ready. Peep that. Check out my QB predictions article. We got most likely to look like a world beater from a clean pocket. Kirk Cousins, who happens to have the fourth largest drop off in yards per attempt when pressured versus when kept clean. Most likely to ball the hell out in overtime if needed. Dak Prescott. Did you know, Dwayne, that Dak Prescott is 18 for 18 career passes in overtime? Now you do. And you can learn many more fun facts that I think will make you a smarter football fan and maybe just have a fun time with this free, free, free article that is available on pff.com every tuesday so for Dwayne, i'm ian thank you as always for tuning in to pff fantasy football podcast until next time take care everybody